All right, Joni. We're going to get to uh, some conference finals hoops, and we're going to get to the NFL in just a minute. But I wanted to start out this week's episode just a little bit different. Um, as you guys know, a couple of days ago, uh, the Kentucky Supreme Court uh, made their ruling on the um, Breonna Taylor case, and it, it was – I'm speechless. I'm still, like, shot. you know, 48 hours later to what I heard and saw. And honestly, I can't even say I'm surprised because, you know, it's just history repeating itself in this country. Um, it's very disappointing, but it's not surprising at all. Uh, if you guys, you know, if anyone hasn't heard, I'm sure everyone has, you know, by this point. But for those of you who don't or just need to be reminded, uh, of the three officers who raided Breonna Taylor's home, her apartment back on March 13, 2020, of the three men officers who shot her, only one of them was actually fired and arrested. And it turns out that he was the only one who was arrested and fired. And he was only charged with wanton endangerment. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's just a fancy way of saying he was reckless with a deadly you know, use of force. He was just reckless. He was literally charged for the bullets that missed her. Unbelievable. I mean, I just, and again, the saddest part about it is that I'm not even surprised. And to make matters even worse, they made that ruling 55 years to the day. The same day that Emmett Till's murderers were acquitted for all of their crimes. 55 years and nothing has changed. Unbelievable. We waited 194 days. We protested in the streets. We, made, we posted on Instagram and Facebook. We cried out. We were angry. We were waiting, you know, hopefully that our voices can be heard. 194 days, and that's what we got. Unbelievable. But nevertheless, um, with that being said, I am Jonah Wooten, and this is episode four of the Restricted Zone podcast. And I just want to say that today, this episode is dedicated to you, Brianna Taylor. I'm so sorry for what happened to you. I'm so sorry that you just wanted to just get some hard-earned rest through a long day of work, being exposed to this COVID pandemic as an EMT, and you just wanted to go to sleep, and you were killed, and you didn't receive the proper justice. Drywall did but you didn't. Um, I am joined by today, as always, uh, we, got, we, have a, we actually have a short, you know, room today, you know, small room today. I am joined by Colin Simprime. How are you doing, everyone? How are you doing, man? Chris McClendon. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. And Rafael Ortiz. Raf, how you doing, bro? Good, man. How's everybody doing? We're good, man. Uh, so DP and Mar won't be here today. Hopefully they'll be back on Tuesday. But uh, I just want to get y'all thoughts before we get into the actual sports of the sports podcast. Let's just want to get y'all thoughts. It's an open forum. Y'all can take it however long as y'all want. 
get everything off your chest. And I'll start with you, Colin. How you how you feeling right now, man? Well, to summarize it up is I'm not surprised. But one thing I do want to touch on is uh, for any new listeners or for the old listeners who's catched up with the first three episodes so far, uh, this is a sports podcast. But while this is a sports co- sports podcast, this is called the Restricted Zone Podcast. Uh, we're touching sports because we all love sports, all six of us, but we are also all African-Americans. The Restricted Zone Podcast is going to touch on the politics of sports and the injustice of what the African-Americans, us, have we suffered, that we suffered for years, years, generations. So as what Jonas said, uh, it wasn't – it was really disappointing. It was disheartening. But more importantly, I wasn't surprised because when has the system failed us to give us the proper justice that we deserve? Uh, it's nothing new. And I'm sure that my, my brothers here have sisters – cousins, you know, or or young woman, African-American male woman, and to see the underappreciation that black women are getting and how they're not protected, it's frightening. It's really frightening because what could happen to, including the audience who's listening right now, I'm sure some of you who have sisters, what happens to them when they get criminally harassed and et cetera? They won't get, think about Brianna. She didn't even get justice. And if her case was made national and she still couldn't get the justice that she was deserved, what happens to us? So it's, uh, it's just unfortunate. And it's kind of like a shot check to the constantly remind us as young African-Americans, the system is not for designed to help us. It is here to incriminate us and harass us at any given point at any given time. It's been like that for hundreds of years. When does it stop? I'm not too sure. Are we the young generation that can stop it? I would hope so. But if not, we got to plant the seeds for the younger generation to see if they can stop this. It all starts with us voting too. Please don't forget to vote. It's very important. It, it may not cause major changes, but it's a first step forward to getting something done. I want to swing it over to Raph. If you have anything. Man, it just seems like no matter what what state or or what, I'll even go as far as to say country, man. It's not even like a problem just in the United States. We see this all over in the world. It just seems like wherever you go, whenever you go into social media, it's like another name, another hashtag. But um, I really wanted to open up the uh, floor and kind of ask you guys a question because I think after the George Floyd situation, obviously the situation with Breonna Taylor, a lot of people have really been trying to, take different measures to really find out what's going to happen with the police. Um, do you guys think we should defund the police? Do you guys think that there should be police reform in terms of, you know, switching up the training, uh, doing different psychological evaluations to make sure that the people who do want to become aspiring cops are actually have the psychological capacity to do their job the correct way. Um, what do you guys think? I'll let Chris take that first. He didn't speak yet. So I'm going to say yes to many of your answers and the fact that nowadays when we see these police officers, you can say they're quote-unquote trigger-happy when it comes to a certain race. And it's unfortunate that it's our race that they become trigger-happy to. And them being in that blue 
suit, and I'm and it, before I finish this, this does not apply to all cops. Not all cops are good, but it says like a good portion of them when they put on that blue suit, they feel invincible. And it's that invincibility that they have they try to use against us, and it's been like this for like y'all said generations and generations. So it's again unfortunate that's happening to us, but there need to be major changes in the police department forces all across America because this has to stop and it should, should have stopped a long time ago. I feel like my biggest concern with the police is that yes, they should be defunded and here's why they take on too much of a responsibility. Usually, you know, when you, when you get, you know, like certain calls, like, you know, domestic violence or, someone with, you know, autism having a fit, you know, in the street and the people around them don't know what to do. So they, you know, their first instinct is, oh, just call the cops and, you know, hopefully they'll take care of this. And then the cops get there and honestly, they don't know what to do because they haven't been properly trained on how to handle certain situations. Usually cops show up after the crime was already committed and, you know, they investigate and, see what, what, you know, went wrong and, you know, who's guilty, who's responsible for the crime. But when the crime or not crime, but when the, when the incident is taking place in real time, they just, honestly, they just don't know how to react. That six months of training doesn't cover all of that. It doesn't cover every single situation. So that being said, the police should be defunded. Uh, coming up with Jonah saying, um, you know, 2020 has taught us uh, a lot of things, you know, and um, one thing that has taught us uh, that racism has always been prevalent, but, you know, uh, people chose to turn a blind eye towards it, uh, especially the criminal harassments, you know, 2014, uh, George Zimmerman, and can you guys refresh my memory? It was another one. He got harassed by by a cop. I can't believe I forgot. So many. It. It's so it's, it's, it's so it's many. So many. It's kind of like it's, it's, no. His was man. I I can't believe I forgot his name. He was harassed by a cop. He was a big guy too, and he got oh, choked. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name. Like he's Eric Garner. Yes. So it's Eric like, Garner in New York City. Right? Yes, Eric Garner. Right. So, like you guys said, so many. Like you kind of lose. You don't lose track, but it's just. It's surprising where you can actually forget such a prominent death like that because of the harassment to a police officer. Uh, like I said before, racism has always been prevalent, but now that this this year has shown us that now it can't you can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. You can't ignore it. You can't just uh, racism is over or you know it's not necessarily true because now we've witnessed two deaths happen without a care in the world and they haven't been acquitted. They basically killed and they walked away scot-free. So let this, what does that tell you about the system and how undervalued we are as a race? First of all, when people say the system is broken, it's not. The system isn't broken, it's working but it was designed to work for one specific group of people. That's what people don't understand. And until we address that, 
actually like addressed, you know, who the system is built for and who it works for, then we can start to talk about how to change it and how to reverse it. I think, man, like, I think you guys, like, brought up excellent answers to the questions I brought up. I definitely do think that if there are people out here, because I, I know a lot of people, especially people who are probably maybe more conservative, they might not necessarily agree with, with uh, defunding the police. But I do think that at least everybody can agree that there has to be a certain level of change when it comes to police training. Um, now, when it comes to the to the interaction between uh, police officers and people from minority communities, specifically black communities. I do think that it's like a complex system of things going on, not just with uh, the police abusing their power. I think if you like, since we're all college students here, I think if we all uh, approach it from like a sociological perspective, I think that there's a lot of negative stereotypes held about certain people from the black community. I always tell you guys an example of me. I think at one time I was just walking, I had a, a brush in my pocket. And I got stopped by a police because they thought it was a weapon, it was a gun. But just, just that thought in their mind that, okay, he fits the description of a criminal because of the color of his skin and because of the, the, the stuff that he's carrying. A lot of other people from other communities don't necessarily have to deal with that. I also think that's another issue that does need to be addressed as well. I mean, these are all great points that you guys are all making, but um, I feel like if, if we keep going, like we could, we're going to take up just the whole podcast because honestly, we could we could take up multiple podcasts just on this one topic. But it was really good, just in general, to just get this off my chest because it ha- it has been weighing heavy on me. But you know, this is a good, healthy conversation, and we need to readdress it at some point. You know, you don't want to beat a dead horse, but we should definitely readdress it. But let's move on. Uh, last night, the Celtics staved off elimination. They they stayed alive. The season is still alive. One one last night's game, game five, one twenty three to one oh eight. Uh, just a simple question: Um, what was the key to the Celtics staying alive? What was the key to their win? I'm gonna let Raz swing it over. Go ahead, Raf. Uh, y'all know my boy, man, Tatum. Tatum. I mean. I just feel like I feel like a lot of people counting them. I'm not I'm not gonna say people counting them out. I just think that I don't know. I think the Heat has just been on the tear from the beginning, and rightfully so. They deserve a lot of respect. Those guys have been playing with hearts, and and a lot of people really doubted them. But I do think that the Celtics, in terms of talent, they're just so talented. And and again, I'm gonna say this exact same thing I just said in the beginning. Tatum, man, he's I I say he's already a superstar. I do think that he has so much potential, and I think that potential is carried. And Kemba also, I, I just think that potential is gonna might be able to really carry them to the series. And we passed him up for Markel Fultz. <clears throat> Come on, man! Don't, don't. That that's a story. You beat on the dead horse now, man. That's an old one. Coming on, I'm still shook by it. But listen, that, that that's another story for another day. That's for another day, man. Go ahead, Colin. Go ahead, Colin. But honestly, it was the competitive spirit in the Celtics, you know, taking everything with Rabs and said. I mean, think about it. You know, they were down three and one. Uh, they hadn't been home, you know, the bubble. They haven't been home to see their families in four or five months, I believe. You know, and it kind of looked like the game was over, at least for a quarter. It seemed like, oh, the Heat got this in the bag. But I, it was their competitive spirit. They just didn't want to go away. 
you know, that's some, you know, you just got to admire, even if you're the opposition, like their competitive drives to succeed and defy the odds is like, it was, you could see it, especially in the third and fourth quarter. And Jason Tatum, you know, he, he's going to be a future star in the league. He did everything that he needed to get done offensively and especially offensively and defensively. Marcus Smart was Marcus Smart. It was a, it was really an overall round effort from the Celtics. The Heat, now, would you guys say the Heat played bad or would you guys give it up to the Celtics playing absurdly good and, and staying competitive and, and fighting? I say that's more so just the Celtics just, you know, fighting with the backs against the wall. I mean, we see it in the playoffs in every sport, yeah. especially in like, you know, hockey, baseball, basketball with the series is like, you know, one game doesn't define the team. One game, you know, doesn't define the entire series. You can go down and still, you know, find a way to scratch back into the series and even, you know, come back and win the whole thing. So I feel like the Heat, you know, they'll learn from that, obviously, and they'll turn around and just close it out, take care of business. Well, Jalen Brown, too. I mean, you got both Jalen and – Yeah, I was about to touch on that. Yeah, Jalen Brown, he – I forgot what draft did he come into. Did he come in 2015? Or was it the same draft as Ben Simmons and Ingram? I'm trying to think. You know, I, I didn't really – he was one draft prospect in that draft. I never really looked at, like, oh, this guy's going to be – I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's a third overall pick. Third overall pick. I never looked at him as, like, this guy, he's going he's gonna to change a franchise or make a franchise really that well. I watched him in college. He looked a lot better than he did uh, in high school and college. That's obvious. The college competition is a lot fiercer. But he didn't show anything to me that really made me, like, look at him in such a great value like I did Simmons and Ingram. But, man, is he showing his value while he was the third pick? He's a dog, man. He's a dog, and he just knows how to compete and make the right plays at the right time. Like I said, it was just – they, they out-hustled and outworked the, the Heat. That was really the main thing with the Heat. Yeah, they got contributed from the scoring and defense, but the Heat out-hustled and outworked the Celtics, like diving for loose balls, being relentless on the boards. Those are the stuff the Celtics started to take in their own hands, and, you know, and it's showing wonders for them. So now can they keep this going and make it to the Game 7 and possibly win? I'm going to swing that to you guys. You know I mean? I'm going to go off a of Rav. Do you think they could take this to Game 7 and possibly win, go to the Finals? I mean, again, going back to, like, that that idea of potential, like, they certainly do have the potential to, like I said, make it through the series. Do I think they will? I, I don't I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not as quick to say that because, I mean, the Heat has some dogs too, man. Like, they, they're just hungry, you can tell. What about you, Chris? What do you think? So, I, I kind of got, like, a little bit more to say. So, first I want to say, yeah, the he got outplayed last night. That's no question about that. Now, what I did notice was um, not that he get outplayed, but they had a very inefficient night. So, for example, Bam out about only ended the game with eight with eight rebounds. Now, as somebody like Bam, I should at least expect at least ten from you. Ten should ten should be the minimum of rebounds you should get a game. And whatever above that is just going to be your maximum. But, for example, Tucker Robinson, 3 for 11 from 3. Uh, Jay Crowder, 0 for 6. Jimmy Butler, 5 for 11 from the field. So, I mean, they really didn't have an efficient game. But just like the, he did have a good game, the Celtics had a really good game. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both had really good games, even though Tatum could be a little bit more efficient. And the 8 for 22 is not is 
that's not really efficient. But at the same time, he did go to the free throw line 14 times, made 12 of those. So that's really good. And I think it just comes down to uh, as a team, when you're up, one of the hardest things to do is a close out series because the team has nothing left to lose. So right now they're just giving you everything they got. And sometimes it can be a lot. Just like and just like the Nuggets, for example, just shifted to the West for a minute. When they went against the Clippers and the Jazz, they just gave them everything they got. And they just couldn't reach and the Jazz and the Clippers just couldn't retaliate. So what Miami's job is, it's okay that they lost this game. Now they get a rest, come back with the same energy that you had to get you in that three ones, three one series lead in the first place. If you if you can come out with that energy and just play the game they can play, shoot more efficiency and all that, they'll they'll in the series. I think the series is still over. I think that the Heat will, will knock it out tomorrow, but that's just me. If it goes to a game seven, I won't be surprised, but I, I still have the Heat closing it up. I think they got the right mentality to do it. Yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, go, go ahead, ahead bro. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. All right. Um, like I, like uh, Chris said, um, the Heat definitely got the right mentality. They're not conceited. They're not prideful. You know, they don't think, oh, we got this in the bag. So I don't really have to worry about their mental lapses. It's just a matter of they were just simply inefficient, like Chris said. Jason Tatum we had 31, but like Chris said, 8 for 22. But he had 10 boards to go along with that with six assists. So he was he was showing his overall skill. Brown had 28 points, eight rebounds. And I know you guys didn't forget, he knocked down four three-pointers, and they were all crucial. So, listen, if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown could play like that, Kemba Walker could be Kemba Walker, you know, and uh, Ennis Cantor. I won't be surprised if they get the game seven, but I still want to pick the Heat to win this series, though. Yeah, it's kind of hard to kind of imagine the Heat falling two more games. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I just, you know, I never say never. You know, anything is possible, but the Heat are the team to just let their guard down. I don't. I just don't see that happening. Well, let me just I, ask I this. All right, go my fault. I, I was just gonna ask, like, game game six in the Western Conference Finals is tonight. Uh, Lakers and Nuggets. Yeah, buddy. I mean, I guess, I guess a simple question would be to ask: Is this like who of the Nuggets and the Celtics like who has a better chance of not only forcing the game seven but winning it and getting the upset into the finals? I, I want to take. The, I'll take this first. I want to take this one. Now, even though I'm a huge fan of the Nuggets and the way they play, I don't see them coming back from this three-one deficit. Now, I won't be surprised if it happened because I've seen it before. But off the naked eye and just seeing the team that they're against and the players on that team, then play Irby and LeBron James. I don't see them come. I don't see them winning three straight games against LeBron James. Now, I think the Celtics have a better chance because then I'll say they're facing a team that again relies off of mainly hustle. And sometimes in basketball, talent can outweigh hustle. Or sometimes you got the right blend of hustle and talent. Now, the Heat have talent, but they rely more so on hustle. The, the um, Celtics finally showed some hustle, yeah, some hustle last night. But now they have to continue to improve and show that same mentality moving forward. So, if a team came back and went and goes to the finals, I'm going to say the Celtics. I think the series is over for the Nuggets, but I do think they will win tonight. I mean, yo, coming off what Chris was saying, actually, DP got on me in this on the last episode. Like I told DP, I said, listen, if if Brown was to really let the Nuggets a team that really wasn't better than the team he has right now. And you're LeBron James. Not to discard his 17 years of work. I just think that's something you got to look at 
let's just say hypothetically speaking, I don't think Braun would. But hypothetically speaking, let's say the Nuggets do come back from this 3-1, beat the Lakers, and go to the finals. Do you Can't you not look at LeBron like, man, you know, I mean, you can't really say you can't use the old age against him anymore because look at what he's doing at 35. He's he's doing more things than most 35-year-olds in his position would even be doing. To let that happen, barring any injury, let's say there's no injury that happens, and the Nuggets actually play well and they come back and win this 3-1 deficit, don't you got to look at LeBron like, you know, like, Come on, you're the king. You let this happen. What's your excuse? You can't look at LeBron a little bit differently after that. DP got on me for that. I just want to, like, just you don't think so, or I think I think, I think I I agree and I disagree with your with your uh, statement at the same time. I agree with the aspect of if LeBron lost to any team, which in which he was up three one, it will look bad on his legacy because he is LeBron, and that's never happened to him before. But I disagree with the notion that uh, there's there's like a stain on his legacy because it's the Nuggets team. I think uh, uh, I think we should give credit to the Nuggets because the Nuggets did beat the the other favorite Western Conference team, the Clippers. They well, showed no. that they were right. well. No, well, actually, not not a stain to LeBron's record, but it's kind of like well, I mean, that whole Michael Jordan and LeBron. I mean, that would kind of have to be put to like a stop. At least until the next season, that's, like that's never gonna stop. That that will never stop. Mm. All right, I'm just, I'm just gonna stop you right there. But I again, I will. I'm kind of agreeing with Ralph and I'm somewhat disagreeing with him. Um, I will. I think it'll put a little stain just because of the fact that it's LeBron James. Now it might not be as big of a stain if they lose the, the three games, but he balls out. If he plays well and then they lose, then you can't blame that on LeBron James. Now, no, if he I plays think, bad think, and then lose, that's different. No, I think I think in this particular series, if the Nuggets were to come back three one, I definitely think it would be like a. I definitely think it would be a stain on LeBron's legacy because uh, he didn't make the playoffs last year. I know, I know, we the context is important, but he did come to the Lakers organization. He didn't make the playoffs last year. He makes the playoffs this year. And he, he hasn't really played all that well in the fourth quarter, to be honest. Um, so I do think if he lost 3-1 against the Nuggets team, it would definitely be like a little stain on his legacy. I mean, like like uh, like Chris said, too, like, okay, I guess because LeBron, it would be an issue. Like, you know, you're the king, such and such. But at the same time, if the Nuggets were, I would absolutely give credit where credit is due. The Nuggets just made something – they beat the Clippers, the presumed favorites, and if they beat the Lakers, I mean the, the Nuggets aren't scrubs, but the Lakers are just the, the the better team. So for LeBron to lose that advantage he had, that's something you gotta look at. You know he came and DP was just nah, but it was like you you gotta come at him, even if you don't want. Even the most LeBron stands couldn't sit there and ignore that. You know you can't ignore that, like you know. But yeah, I don't see LeBron losing um that, but. LeBron goes to the finals. Well, I mean, before we uh, switch gears over to football, we can just get, like, a little quick, you know, prediction for game six tonight for me, should we? All right. Just just who wins, what score? He said the score, too. Okay. Um, oh, I'm picking the Nuggets to push it to a game six. Uh, I think the difference maker will be either either – or both Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic just flat out ball tonight. 
And it's just going to be too much for the Lakers to retaliate. I think LeBron will have he'll, – he'll be consistent in the sense of he'll at least give you, like, 16, 16, 18 points, like maybe 10 assists, 6, 7, 8 rebounds. But LeBron needs to at least get, like, 25, 30 to keep winning. He can't keep relying on Anthony Davis to ball it every night because Davis doesn't do that. So because of that, and I think just because, again, we see the Nuggets in the situation – I'm going to pick Denver to push it to the next game. I got ahead of myself. I said game six. I meant to say game five. If the Nuggets do win, obviously tonight it'll force a game six. Colin? Uh, I think the Nuggets could win this. Like like I said, the Nuggets aren't some scrubs. They beat the Clippers. You know, they show what they can do against the best of the best. So I'm never going to doubt the Nuggets at all, especially Jamal Murray. He's been on fire. May I give you a reminder? He's from Kentucky, my favorite college program. So, you know. All the Kentucky boys are balling out right now. Tyler Hero, Murray, Bam. I'm feeling pretty good about my Kentucky boys. So, you know, I'm not sleeping on the Nuggets. I think they'll do uh I think they'll win this game. But ultimately the Lakers win the series. So that's my and for the Heat and Celtics. I, I think the Heat close it out. I really think the Heat close it out. It's gonna be interesting. The, the, the Celtics aren't going away. They're gonna I, I know they'll maintain their competitive drive and out-hustle and outwork the Heat or at least match it, and then it just comes down to who hits the shots, you know, efficiently. So, uh, but I think the Heat close it out. I just – I think, I think honestly, this Lakers team, when, when they need to lock in, they lock in and they don't disappoint. I think the Lakers are well aware of what how dangerous this Nuggets team can be. So, I think that – I expect the Lakers to come full force. Maybe they might pull out the Mamba jerseys, whatever they need to do. But I do think that they'll come out and close it tonight. Can't lose in the Mamba jerseys. Can't. Yeah, you can't. He said pull out the Mamba jerseys. Mm. All right, Raph, you want to take over, man, as we get into some NFL? Yep. So um, we want to make the transition into football. And um, I actually want to start off with this question directed more so to Jonah. Uh, last episode, there was like a hot debate on Carson Wentz and, and his lackluster performances. We had a couple of the guys talk about how he's actually regressing. Um, and we had some guys talking about if, you know, maybe some more playing time can be given to other players, what players should be drafted. So I kind of want to get your input because you weren't able to make it. What do you think about Carson Wentz this year and the Eagles? And just lay it out, man. Tell me what you think. Right. I mean, all right. It's it's really simple. Um, uh, Carson, clearly he's regressing. Um, that's no secret. Uh, in in year five, that makes it so alarming that he is regressing in year five when he should be progressing into becoming one of the elites in the league. But now we're talking about, is he even good? We saw flashes of it 2017 until the knee injury, of course. Last year, the final stretch against four division opponents. We saw flashes of greatness, but he hasn't, for some reason, he just has not been able to just gel it together. Like he hasn't, he hasn't been able to put together one full season where he just balls out from start to finish. Last year, after getting the thunder stolen from him two years in a row by Nick Foles, winning the Super Bowl, and then leading the Eagles back to the playoffs and getting the playoff win on the road, you finally play through a whole season healthy. You make it through. You ball out the last four weeks against the division. You win the division. 
And then in the first quarter of your first playoff game, you get knocked out by a cheap shot. So now you got to come back to 2020 now, another, another year. The whole city is questioning you all over again. You got to start this whole thing over again mentally where, all right, he finally made it through a season, but he still got hurt again. You know, will he get hurt again? Can he stay healthy? Like we're still asking the same questions over and over again, year by year. And honestly, I think it's just getting to him mentally. Like the whole Nick Foles situation, having his, you know, Thunder get stolen twice, having an MVP taken away from him. It was his to lose. And now, you know, losing Frank Reich, losing Flip, quarterback's coach, John Filippo. You know, he the mechanics are gone. Is is shot like he had some of the best arm talent in football. You could say him and Mahomes and maybe Rogers had some of the best just pure arm talent in the game, and now it's all gone. Like he just completely got just the fundamentals missing. You know, wide open passes, short passes, simple passes. You know, it's it's mental. Like he's he's healed. I like to think I like to think the ACL is completely healed. Maybe the back from 2018, that injury, that stress fracture is still bothering him. Maybe that's why, you know, his mechanics are all torn up because he just his body just doesn't move the same. I don't know. You saw it happen to Tony Romo a few years ago before he retired. Maybe that's it. But I feel like Carson mentally just got to get out of his own head and he's got to have someone just sit him down and just talk to him and just tell him everything he's doing wrong and what he needs to do to get better. So I feel like Carson is kind of just doing what he wants right now and clearly it is not working. So to go off of that, um, um, this is kind of like uh, more so directed to all of you guys. Um, do you think it's still early in the season for him to kind of make a comeback and like getting his like kind of mojo? That's my first question. And the second question is, do you guys think that, uh, especially you, Jonah, do you think that Jalen Hurts should be getting more minutes, or what do you think about that? Uh, hold on, so repeat your first part of the question. Uh, do you guys still think it's still early in the season for Carson Wentz to kind of make a turnaround? I'll let you guys see uh, that. All right, no, I'm actually, I'm actually going to answer, then I got a question for Jonah. So uh, I think it's still plenty of time for him to turn around. I mean, obviously he's had two pretty bad games, and he needs to uh, re Regroup, and I think he has the best chance of that this season since he's playing the Bengals. So I feel like if he plays subpar, I'm not gonna say bad. If he just plays subpar tomorrow against the Bengals team, then I think that's when the Eagles should start looking into maybe I won't say benching, but just looking to considering putting Jalen Hurts in there, see what he does, or maybe not. I mean, you, that's something that the coaches have to consider. But uh, Jonah, before uh, somebody else answers the question. Uh, on the last episode, when I had my little rant on Carson Wentz, I said that I never really had him high to begin with since he was drafted. I kind of always saw him as the quarterback who, at best, is like a Derek Carr level, but maybe a little bit over him. And the reason I said that is because since Carson Wentz came to the league, when you look at the first four years of both quarterbacks, Carson Wentz stats are better, but they're somewhat in the same ballpark. So, do you feel like what do you think Carson Wentz's ceiling is outside? Because, again, I see him as, like, a Derek Carr quarterback. You're saying, like, a ceiling, like, what's the furthest he can go? Like, 
What's the what's his Yes, peak? like yes. I mean, I'm scared to say that 2017 was his peak, but I'm not quite ready to say that yet. Um, I feel like I don't know. Like he he needs like the right people around him. I feel like that greatness that we saw a few years ago and even last year in spurts is still there. Like physically, he's he's got all the tools capable of not being, you know, maybe a top five quarterback. I think that ship has sailed. I feel like, you know, he's got a long way to go before he can get to that spot this year at least. But he, like he needs he just needs the right coaching around him. I feel like Doug Peterson isn't doing him any favors and I don't want to make excuses for him but I mean the play calling and just the way that Doug Peterson is you know handling questions in the media I feel like it's not helping him like when it's almost like he's losing confidence it's not like I I don't want to put that that's no it is it's exactly what it is and I feel like remember I don't know if you guys you know heard this or not but you know after the Rams lost, the media, uh, a reporter asked Doug Peterson a question. He was like, um, basically, he was asking, like, is, you know, Carson, you know, regressing? And Doug was like, oh, that's an interesting question. Like, why would you say that? Well, even if you think he is, because he is, he is. But why would you say that? Like, why would you publicly even just leave it out there in the open? You should have shut that down right away. And I feel like that's just adding more onto Carson mentally. Like, he's not going to come out and say it, obviously. He's a very reserved, quiet guy, but we know deep down, like all of this stuff is building up and it's bothering him. And that's why we're seeing the play that we're seeing. Well, I mean, it's it's a butterfly effect. I mean, there's two ways Carson Wentz could take that. He could either wallow about that and, you know, being self-pity, which he's not that type of guy. He's never shown he was that type of guy. Or he'll just come out and show the world who he was when he was an MVP. I still think he's an MVP, even though Tom Brady won it. You know, it should have been Carson Wentz, but, you know, the MVP that he was in 2018 when he did when he had that season, did he show you guys that he was a franchise level star quarterback in 2018? Did he show that to you? Because I think he showed us what he could be and what he can do. When you say he's still young, when you say 18, do you mean that like that like 2017, 18, or that 2018? Yeah, 2017, 2017, 18. Excuse me. Oh yeah, of course. Like we we all thought he was the second coming of Christ. Like honestly, like that's how. That's how crazy the city was. I yeah, I know. And we were fools, you know, to believe that. I, I don't. I mean, look, I mean, look, because you know, because you got remember the two injuries he had. A quarterback should never have. He tore his ACL. Then he had a back injury. The back injury is just as severe. Don't care what no one said. Look at what Tony Romo. He was never the same after the back injury. Uh, and then Carson Wentz tore his ACL. When you tear your ACL. You can never be the same way you were. It, it don't matter who you are. Once you lose that, you you kind of lose. Because Carson Wentz was actually pretty athletic. When you think about it, he was actually an athletic quarterback. So when he lost that, it took away. That's why he's kind of, he seems kind of stiff and stiff inside the pocket. But what my thing is, is I think is, is it, I don't want to panic because it's only two games into the season. I really don't want to just be like, oh, Carson, it's over. He's not that great. I really don't want to panic. Like, we did we trade any Listen, picks to, to move Listen. up to grab Carson Wentz? Did we trade oh, we gave, we gave the Browns a ransom. For Carson Wentz, they got right. the Baker Mayfield pick, I believe, from us. Wow. Okay. So basically, so basically, in the city no, no, of Philadelphia, no, that, could, that could be wrong. But we got we got a point guard that can't shoot and a quarterback that can't throw, and a bullpen that can't pitch. 
it's that's just the story of Philadelphia sports right now. <laughs> it's just a bunch of underachievers. Like it's it's like we traded our souls for one Super Bowl ring. Every team, with the exception of the Flyers, is they just they just have poor management from the top. Like three of the four GMs in the city are not doing their job correctly. And that's another topic for another day. But yeah, it definitely is. We would get strained off a little bit off the that was about the yeah, yeah. whole look, rant. Ready. Look, uh, I'll give y'all a rant in in the future. Sure. Well, hopefully, hopefully in the future you won't need the rant. I think I think the general yeah. consensus between at least Colin and uh and Jonah is that it's still early in the season. And um the best thing we can basically do is just remain optimistic and hope that Carson Wentz is able to make the mental shift. Since I think the you guys can agree that's not necessarily physical, it's more so of a mental thing that he needs to kind of uh overcome. Um, now I want to guys. I ask you guys um, of the zero and two teams. Let's do start with the NFC division. Who do you guys think has the best chance to make the playoffs? So some of the teams we got in the NFC. We have the Eagles, the Vikings. We also have the Panthers, Giants, Lions, and Falcons. I'm gonna open up the floor to you guys. Want to take that, Chris? That's a, yeah, I got it. Um, that's a tricky one. So, okay, I mean, I think. All right, huh? I think. Okay, so I think based off of all-around team, I want to go with the Vikings. Only because even though they lost a key part of their offense and it is really showing, they still got another bad boy in and a feeling. Now, the difference maker for the Vikings is going to rely on Kirk Cousins because right now he's also been playing very bad these first two weeks, which is why they're in the two-hole. Now, if the Vikings don't get it as my first choice, my second choice would be the Falcons. Now, the Falcons, yeah, they did what they did last week against the Cowboys, and I'm not going to get into that spiel. I'm just, not sold. I'm just not sold on the Falcons. I'm just not sold on Matt Ryan. That's what I want to say. I, I'm not – ever since the Super Bowl, he I, he's always – I've never looked at him in a great light anymore. You know, it's I'm like, not sold on Dan Quinn. I feel like Dan yeah, Quinn is you. the root of the problem. Thank it's it's you. not Matt Ryan. It's Dan Quinn, bro. I mean, like it's blame on Matt Ryan too. I mean, you can. He's it, not a equal. He's not. No, he's not. But Dan Quinn, like as a defensive coach, you shouldn't be giving up forty points to the Cowboys after being up, you know, twenty to nothing. That's just unacceptable. Okay, back to what Chris was saying. You said the Falcons, and what was you about to say? So I was going to say the Falcons because I think they have they have the offense to put up points. And in the NFL nowadays, uh, if you look at a lot of teams, they just like to put up points. Not saying that teams don't have good defenses, but teams like to put up points. I think they have the – I don't say the best offense, but they have a really good offense. They have two They have two above-average wide receivers. They got a nice running back, and they got a good quarterback. And they got a decent, de- and a decent offensive line. So they have the tools on offense to – if they wanted to, I think they could average 26, 28 points per game. Just based off that, that's four touchdowns. I bet they can do that. The problem is, though, the defense is still a question mark, which has been the question mark since the Super Bowl. They just, but if you look at it, the reason why they were so good that year was because of their offense, because of all the firepower they had. That's why I say the Falcons, because I just know that that offense, like the offensive is there. Now, they did give, they didn't score in the second half, they didn't score a lot, I think, but the offense is there. And I, but I say the Vikings because I think they have the nice blend of offense and defense. That it just Kirk Cousins has not played well. I think there's only really two answers you can go with here in the NFC. 
And I'm going to say the Eagles and the Vikings. Now, the Vikings make the most sense just personnel-wise. Looking at the roster, looking at, like you said, Chris, you know, the offense and the defense. They have, you know, weapons on offense. And, of course, their defense has been disappointing. But, you know, they're well built to where they should be able to get tons of pressure on the quarterback and stop the run. I don't know what the secondary is like, but the front seven, you know, should be playing better. And I feel like they're going to turn it around. But I'm going to say the Eagles because they're in the weakest division. And there's an extra playoff spot. So I feel like 9-7 and seven or 8-8 eight and eight could sneak you in as a seventh seed this year. And I feel like the Eagles, basically just because they have the weakest division, should get, you know, at least four, if not five division wins. And, you know, just use that to catapult them in for a third straight year, you know, scratching and clawing their way in. Um. Okay, I, I want to actually make. Uh, actually, I want to. I want to talk about something. It's, I'm gonna swing it back to uh, Carson Wentz because it, it just popped in my head. I was talking to another podcast host. Uh, I'm not gonna mention his name for privacy reason. Uh, he so he he listened to the last episode when we started talking about Carson Wentz. We should get rid of him. Well, I didn't say that. Most of everyone in the podcast was saying that it should start drilling hers, let Nate play, or look forward for the draft. Draft Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so he said Carson's situation is kind of similar to Baker Mayfield's, and I was kind of surprised when he said that. I said, how is that even similar? Because I'm sure if Carson Wentz had Odell and Javar's laundry, I'm sure he'd be – he wouldn't nearly be in such a predicament he's in. Uh, he said the reason why he thinks Carson Wentz should be traded and that his contract isn't – compared to the contracts of the other quarterbacks now, he actually has some leverage in trading him because they said there are plenty of teams that would actually love to have Carson Wentz. So I, the thought about trading Carson Wentz never crossed my mind. I don't know what you guys think. And then he said they should trade Carson Wentz and then try to bring Baker Mayfield to the Eagles. Now, I was listening to it. I'm thinking, no, that's just absolutely crazy. I'm not even that high on Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. But I don't know. I'd rather one of my – as a quarterback for my team. I, I don't know. I'm not even that yeah. high. But he said Baker Mayfield was definitely the more talented quarterback than Carson Wentz. It's just that he's really put in a system that's not really utilizing Baker Mayfield's true strengths when he said that. And I said, okay, that makes sense. But having Baker as a quarterback, he thinks Baker would be the perfect quarterback for Doug Peterson. And Carson Wentz just needs to move. And so, I, really, I, really, I really stopped and thought about it. I was like, hmm, I'm not really a fan of Baker Mayfield. That's the problem. But maybe a change of scenery would do both Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield. So, wait, so – I got a question. What what do you consider is the system that the Browns play? I'm not. I don't watch the Browns to be honest with you. I have no okay, idea. So, okay. So did this person that you talked to? Did they watch the Browns play? Did they? Yes. Okay. Now, are you sure that it's the system that's the problem, or is it that Baker Mayfield is the problem? Well, I'm not sure. He say made it sound like it was the system that was the problem. So I would like. That's why I'm asking you guys. What do you think about? Do you think that's ridiculous? Do you think he's on to something? Okay. Well, yeah, reports no. here that him, that Baker Mayfield and OBJ don't get along. So are you sure it's the system or is it Baker? Because with this talent on offense, there should be no excuses why they sh- can't put up points. Yeah, I, and, that, and the offensive line, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. 
You have plenty of time in that pocket to get to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. They're two of the best route runners in the NFL, and you got a, you have a top five running back. So the fact that he said he might need a change of scenery, I don't know. And if he's doing what he's doing with two good wide receivers, what makes you think he's going to do that without any, I say, wide receivers to the level of Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham? I just want to say for the record that I'll take, I'll take OBJ any day over Baker Mayfield twice on Sunday. Like that's that's asinine. I will not trade Carson for Baker. I'm not completely, you know, close-minded to trading Carson, but it's just what we get in return. That's not what I'm looking for. But okay, all right, just had to throw it in there. Just popping my head. And um. Someone got that ESPN app <laughs> blasting. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I guess just to make this final point about Carson and about the Eagles in general, like I, I'm not ready to press the panic button yet. It's only two weeks. Trust me now. I looked at that panic button, that red button with the bold letters "panic" written beneath it. I lifted the glass. I, I looked at it. I'm like, you know what? I ain't gonna press it. But if they lose to the Bengals. If they lose to the Bengals, and I'm not saying, you know, and I like Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is, he's, you know, he's doing his thing. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he threw a few touchdowns on this Swiss cheese defense. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But this has to be a win. And I hate to say must win in week three, but this is a must win. So um, for the uh, so for the game tomorrow that the Eagles have, do everybody have the Eagles winning, or do we have some guys in here that has the Bengals? I mean, we can get to that. We can get to all the picks, you know, right now. But yeah, just really I'm quick. Just, yeah, I, it, I'm pre- I'm slamming my hand down on the button if we lose tomorrow. It, it, you gotta because mm, the schedule oh. ahead, you you can't afford to lose. Oh, and three. I think DP and Marcia, if they go 0405, it's time to trade Carson Wentz and just sell him for the rest of the season to tank. Which is real surprising, but hmm, you know. I'm not sure. I mean, so I know I know for a fact picks. Jonah is uh Jonah's for sure got the Eagles winning. What you got, Colin? Oh, absolutely. I think the Eagles can win. They know what's at stake. They they have to win this game. Honestly, they have to win. There's no other way to break it down to them. They have to win. If not, we're looking at potentially going 0-6. After the Bengals, who do we play? Don't we play the Seahawks, I believe? Or do we play? At San Francisco, at Pittsburgh, and at home against the Ravens. Three of the top five defenses in the league. Yeah, so. we pretty we pretty much go 0-6. And after that – We could we could potentially steal one in San Francisco – only because of the injuries that they're dealing with. But, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they'll be hard fall games, but they're I got them chalked up as L's. So two and four is the best case scenario. Yeah. I think I think it's just a bad season. Is it a bad season for us? It potentially might be a bad season. I'm kinda I kinda feel bad about DP's prediction of being twelve or four. His second one was eleven to five. Kinda feel bad about that, but <laughs> hey. Don't, don't feel bad. I love, the, I love the optimism. I love the optimism, but I like to be a realist. And I gave him the benefit of doubt and said 10 and 6, but it uh, honestly could be 9 and 7, 8 and 8. All right, Chris, who do you think wins, the Eagles or Bengals? I mean, I'm going to say y'all. 
But y'all, yeah, but y'all could disappoint me, and the Bengals could steal it. So I'm, a, I'm gonna stick with the Eagles win tomorrow. But I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Burrow just snapped and won. All right, you guys want to get to the rest of the picks for Sunday yes. and Monday, real quick? Just run through it. Uh, I got the list in front of me, so I can just uh, Houston and Pittsburgh. Houston and Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Deshaun Watson on this one. Oh, you going with uh, with the man Will Fuller too? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Man and myth. The man. See, this, oh, I'm surprised you're not going with your second favorite team. Who's also I went to. Hey, listen now. That's not but my yeah. favorite team. I'm just a fan of Will Fuller. That's all this. Right, team. right, right. But anyway, I'm, I'm going with Deshaun Watson. I think he. I think he's going to pull this one out. All right. Um. Got the 49ers, the injury-riddled Niners, traveling to the Meadowlands to take on them, the 0-2 Giants. Uh, the Giants lose. I'm going to see the Giants win. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going with the 49ers. Well, I'll say this. As, I don't know if it's been confirmed that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing or not. So, based off that, no, he's if out. Garoppolo – Oh, I got Giants winning. I got Giants then. You, wow. Is Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo made you sweat? Why? You want to break I mean, he missed practice this week. I'm not entirely sure if he's confirmed out. I can check it right now. So, I, you think. I'm leaning on so out. I, Okay. Yeah, so, you yeah, said Nick Mullins, because. Nick Mullins is starting and George Kittle is out too. So. Um, I'm, going, I, I'm going with the Giants. Too many Andrews at the quarterback. Yeah. I might just flip it over to the Giants. I got the, I got the Niners by six points. All right, Giants. It'll be an ugly one. Uh, Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders traveling to New England. Your team, Chris, who you got? Uh, as bad as I don't want to say it, we 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 gonna lose. I I gonna have us winning in Foxborough. I'll be surprised if we win. I think we've had a good start to the season, though. I think we have a really good start. People, that yeah, people I'm sorry, man. Start. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to think. Yeah, Chris. I, yeah, I'm gonna say, I think. Watch your mouth. You lost to a no name team. <laughs> all, right, all right, we ain't gonna we ain't gonna get into that. We ain't gonna get into that. Uh, Tennessee at Minnesota. I got Minnesota. Yeah, I got I got the Vikings getting their first win. I'm I'm going I'm gonna think I got the Vikings too. All right. Uh, as the uh, the aforementioned no names, Washington at Cleveland. The no Toss names. Up. Battle of Scrub versus Scrub. Can we just I'll, say I'll Washington, Washington, please? Not say no names. Let's say Washington, please. Washington, the Washington football team. Sorry. Yeah. That's a more professional. And uh, I, got, okay, I think right. the Browns win. I think the Browns win. Yeah, I got the Browns. The Browns. But it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up, but I think Browns could get it done. All right, so we got the Battle of Two Undefeateds. Los Angeles Rams at the Buffalo Bills, both two and zero. Somebody got to lose. I mean, they could tie, but to me, if there's one team I'm really unsure of the most, I'm just not knowledgeable on the Bills. I'm not. I'm more more to what? Not knowledgeable on Josh Allen. Uh, just, long story short, great defense. Uh, a big arm QB who's inaccurate, but they got he has a number one target now. Like that's that's really the Bills in the show. All right, I'm so, going with the Bills. You. Yeah, okay. I got the Bills at home. That big arm QB is going to have himself. A, I think he's going to have himself a day. I don't know. Is, the, is that is that the quarterback that um uh oh Josh Allen? Yeah, someone called him trash. He said he was trash. No. Said that. 
his accuracy is it needs work, but he has the strongest arm in the league. I think even over Pat Mahomes. I know that's controversial. I won't say all that. I, I'm, won't say I that. mean, say you could go you could go either way, but I think Josh Allen has the biggest arm. I'm just saying. No, I think oh, yeah, Jalen Ramsey called him trash. Yeah, that's a quarterback. Uh, Jalen Ramsey calls Ramsey everybody call trash that doesn't play for his team. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, oh. that's Jalen. So that's Jalen. But again, you don't disrespect Josh Allen. But I'm, I'm going with the Bills on this one. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll take the Bills. Just by default. Don't don't change your pick. You had the Rams. Stick with the Rams. Don't I change. I, I didn't. I didn't even make a pick. I just said I wasn't knowledgeable right, on the right. picks. Real quick, uh, Chicago at Atlanta. I think Atlanta gets their first win. I think Atlanta wins that one. I'm I'm going with the ATL. All right, Carolina zero and two at the. L.A. Chargers, the Clippers of the NFL. The Clippers of the NFL. Um, I go with the Chargers. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with the Chargers too. Um, the little I'll brother of L.A. I'm going with Carolina. I think they get the first one. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is out. Yeah, I feel like McCaffrey really that really hurts them. Yeah, he's yeah, but I feel like they're gonna rally around that. Same thing with like San Francisco. I think like the injuries should motivate them to play harder, but I could be wrong. Uh, Jets at the Colts, four oh five. Oh, I got the Colts. I don't, I, I see it just going on sixteen right now. I'm going with the Colts. Yeah, the Jets. The Jets just might be the team this year. I think they win the uh, the uh, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But uh, yeah, wow. So what? <laughs> yeah, I got what the Colts the, winning. What was the point of drafting Sam Darnold then? Honestly, Sam Darnold is actually a pretty good quarterback, but Adam Gase is just a quarterback. I don't think they need Trevor Lawrence. They just need everybody else around Sam Darnold. I mean, he oh, has his days where he plays I think they need a new coach. Actually, yeah, definitely that. Actually, Jonan, as you told me to watch Trevor Lawrence highlights, I can see why they call him the best quarterback in decades. I mean, I don't think the Jets would turn down turn him down at all if they had a chance to get him. They probably Look, and you can and you can trade Darnold for you know. Exactly. Pretty penny, yeah. Why so, not? Yeah, and you can use those picks or whatever, or you know, players to build around Trevor Lawrence. He's definitely it's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, you got to go zero and sixteen, but it's not even a debate. So yeah, all right, just go zero sixteen this year. You got Dallas, who should be zero and two, but they're one and one, traveling to Seattle for twenty-five. Seattle. 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 That's. That's gonna be a close one because Dallas does play pretty good against the Seahawks. So I, I might, I might go with Dallas in this one. Ah, don't saying. do it! Don't do it! I might. <laughs> I, I'm going with Dallas. I, I think they can. I think they might pull off the upset. Mm, okay. Tampa Bay going to Denver. Got Tampa winning this one. I want to say Denver, but. Drew Locke is out, so because of that, I'm gonna go with Tampa Bay. Okay, I'm starting to see that Tampa Bay might be overrated, and I and I was kind of on the hype with all of the firepower that they have, but I'm slowly starting to think they're just overrated. Too. I could have told you back in April that they were going to be overrated, bro. I could have told you that. I'm not sleeping on Get Tom. No sir. Um. Listen, I think Tom Brady has a good season. I think, listen, I'm not sleeping. I'm never counting on Tom Brady. I just can't. Tom Brady's the type of guy 
he could turn nothing into something. That's who Tom Brady is. System quarterback. System quarterback. Continue, continue, continue. We got a Tom Brady hater. Oh, man. Uh-oh. Look, look. I respect Tom Brady for what he's done. You respect him. I respect you probably shouting tears of joy when, when we beat him. I can't think you though. I, I mean, it's, of course, it's the Eagles winning the first Super Bowl. Of course, I cry, bro. You you got to. But I talked all that trash about Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, and I had every right to for that uh, for that week. He, he played a great game too. Don't he did? He, he played did. a phenomenal game. We get, we getting we getting off track. We going off track. All right, yeah, but all right. Detroit zero and two at Arizona. Arizona easy. Yeah, Arizona. Go with the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, Sunday night, Green Bay at New Orleans. Did Green Bay stay undefeated? Yeah, Green yes. Bay. Stay, I, Green Bay stay undefeated. Aaron Rodgers on a mission this year. Oh, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers on a mission. I, I think he wins the Super Bowl. I think this is going to be a Whoa, already? Yep. I think Colin, you jumping the gun, bro. Really, oh, you really we are. Take, we are, we are literally taking this week by week, man. Come on. Week by week. Mm, Aaron Rodgers on the mission, man. I see it as eyes. But Super Bowl, come on. All right, okay. So let's I mean, they're not going like, sixteen and zero. They got to lose sometime. We'll have this conversation in another time. Another time. We'll pretend. We'll pretend like there's some not somebody named Russell Wilson and Seahawks out there that plays football. So let's just let's okay. forget about them. Okay, listen. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. We're gonna keep it going. All right. Last but not least, this this is this is going to be a movie, y'all. Monday Night Football, Kansas City at Baltimore, two and zero versus two and zero. This just might be for the one seed. This just might be for the one seed already. So it's a toss up. I got Kansas City, but it's a complete toss up. And it's at and it's at Baltimore, right? Nah, I'm going based on where they're at. at I got. Oof, I'm going. With I'm, I'm going with the. Ra- I got Ravens. But, Does the home field really I, matter, anyways? Though. Yes. Does it really matter? Because they don't have fans. I think but if they I mean, fans, yes, you're right. It doesn't, but I still think it does. It does. I mean, I the travel, so. the travel aspect of it matters, but whether the condition, every, yes, it matters. It matters. I mean, matters. Kansas City, they play in some of the worst conditions each year, though, so I don't think that would be a problem. But I yeah, mean, absolutely right. But I don't think that the Ravens will lose this game at home. I mean, the Ravens do have something to prove. They were bounced out prematurely last year in the playoffs, so they got something to prove. I, I can see it. Like I said, complete toss-up. And this might be a shootout, too. Like like the same game we saw a couple years ago with the Chiefs and the Rams. Like, that was just a masterpiece. I mean, if you love offense, it was. So, I can see the same game. But uh, that's it. That's it for this week. Uh, we, will, we will be back on Tuesday to talk about, you know, everything that happened, you know, in the NFL on Sunday and Monday, and potentially you might be talking about, you know, the Heat and Lakers finals matchup. We might not. Who knows? But we're we only find out Tuesday. So I am Jonah Wooten. It's Colin Sempron. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Rafael Ortiz, always a pleasure. Chris McClendon, thank you for listening. This is the Restricted Zone Podcast, Episode 4.